to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Now faith is dot 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 hearing that still small voice. I arrived home on a high. Who wouldn't have, after seeing eyes opened, the deaf hearing, and even witnessing a sick cow with chronic milk fever recovering in a stall, dark, dingy stall, next to a dimly lit house with no windows where we'd just met. We'd just had church in this home with about five or six villages about 20 kilometres uh, west of Kamaredi in Andhra Pradesh province, central India. I was sent there instead of being chosen to join the cool team that went to the big city church in Hyderabad. <laughs> no attitude, I'm over it. <laughs> um, but my faith was truly tested as I prayed for that sick cow. <laughs> I would have given it about one chance in ten <laughs> with no meds, but God honoured that prayer and many others during our stay with these beautiful people. My faith had certainly been stretched and strengthened by the, uh, just the faith-filled atmosphere at the International Outreach Faith Centre based in Hyderabad and at Kamaredi. Every morning we woke up to the sound of these little brush brooms sweeping the paths outside our dorm. And the singing that warmed our hearts came from young children who appeared to be the happiest orphans in the world. I wanted to bring three sisters home about the age of our three boys. And on a phone call with Jenny... In a heartbeat, she said, yeah, do it. Bring them home. But sadly, I found out that um, we would have had to have bribed too many people to have uh, achieved a legal adoption. Anyway, every night, every night was exciting. Every night we preached the gospel with interpreters and uh, and we saw miracle after miracle in villages that had never heard the gospel before. And I shared a few of these miracles uh, with, um, with a sort of an Indian entrepreneur guy on the plane home. He was a sort of a, a wheeler, dealer, wholesaler guy. And, but he was truly amazed, had been raised in India, had never heard of this stuff. He turned to his wife and said, listen to this dear. This guy is into some serious manure, <laughs> or words to that effect. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I was home about a week, still suffering from, from the sort of jet lag and, and freezing cold and catching up on sleep. When Jenny developed a really serious pain, I think it might have been a neck or back, no problem, I thought, you know, this is how we do it in India. And I prayed, I launched into this full-on prayer, and, and I, uh, I prayed for my wife. Nothing happened. 
She still had the pain. Prayed again, still nothing. I was pretty downcast. I thought, Lord, Lord, why, why not here in New Zealand? You know, I'd just come from Faith Central. And now my, my prayer couldn't even heal my wife, you know. And my spirit withdrew for some time until I realized that real faith keeps on going, keeps believing, and keeps praying. And I was after instant everything. I was into instant <laughs> and thought I could just simply, you know, do it, pray, boom, happen. But then I thought, oh, I haven't got enough faith. Doubt crept in, you see. Ah, oh, must be me. I haven't got enough faith. But you know, God had other plans, and uh, he had proved that he was real in uh, India. And now he was teaching me something much deeper. And after a, a period of time wasting, you know, doubt and depression, wasting my time on those things, I realized that there were other aspects to faith. If that's where you're at today and you've been knocked back or defeated or felt like you've been pushed down or by the enemy, then and if you can relate to this message, then this message is for you. Okay? So I've called this message, Now Faith Is, dot, 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 hearing the still small voice, because our God is looking for faith on the earth, amen, that is built on intimacy with him and obedience rather than results alone. You see, we don't understand stuff. When we don't understand stuff, when we're in a season of trial and when we don't see results, you know, we sometimes withdraw, don't we? When we don't understand stuff, you know, yet when we still draw near to him in an attitude of worship, faith rises. Faith rises. And so let's read in Matthew seven twenty-one to 23 some pretty scary verses. Matthew seven twenty-three to 24. And then I declared, to them, Then I will declare to them, verse 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, for you practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Oh, sorry, I go back to 22. 21. Let's go to 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Scary, scary verses. These are people who cast out demons, prayed for people. But if we know him today, then fear should give way to faith. If we really know that we know that we know him. And when we really know him, we never give up on the hope 
on spiritual change. We hold out for that miracle that we've been promised and we pray God-centered prayers. Just for those who have missed the last two weeks, we began this series, Faith Is, uh, giving out keys to building a robust faith based on Hebrews 11. A robust faith based on Hebrews 11. We said that without faith, we cannot please God, verse 6. We saw that the Word of God builds faith, Romans 10, 17, and that we need to step out and to take God-ordained risks. You know, that's the word that's linked with faith, risk. That we need to decide to never turn back and that we need to pass on the baton of faith. Jeremy built on that last week by saying that by remaining faithful, we grow faith. Simply staying the course, keeping on, keeping on, builds faith and faithfulness. They're the same, almost the same. This week, it's all about truly knowing the Father's voice. And we're going to look at a character. He's only really mentioned briefly, if, if at all, in Hebrews 11. But his name is Elijah. He was a prophet in Israel in the Old Testament. And he gets sort of one line in verse 35, Hebrews 11:35, that actually just comes from 1 Kings 17. So if you've got your Bibles, let's shoot back to 1 Kings in the Old Testament 17. 21 to 23. Let's read. He was staying with a widow who had been kind enough to cook him a meal with her very last bit of meal and oil. And she had a son, one son. She lived alone with her son. Then he stretched, and she, and sorry, the little story, backstory is that, she, that he died. Sadly, she, she lost him and she said, you know, she was distraught, absolutely distraught. And Elijah comes and says some, some comforting words and then he went up to the upper room and he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and asked, O oh Lord my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. And that's what Hebrews 11.35 is referring to. I'm pretty sure that's the only account of resurrection in the Old Testament. But I believe it's actually a little picture. It's like a little glimpse of Jesus, the, sort of like it's a prophetic glimpse of the resurrection of Christ because he lies on the, on the boy three times and he comes back to life. Jesus was raised on the third day. Yeah. So let's, let's move on into this whole area of listening to the still small voice. When Jesus said, in three days I'll rebuild the temple, he was speaking of his own resurrection. And Elijah, filled with the Holy Spirit and faith, was instrumental in resurrecting 
a much-loved son of a faithful widow. But he did much more than that. He rescued her from poverty. He was looking to the future. God's compassion for this widow through, Mo, through Elijah sorry, was, worked this amazing miracle because by bringing him back to life, he would provide for her in her old age. And Elijah's compassion and faith just give us a picture of the work that was accomplished on the cross when God raised Jesus on the third day to save us for all eternity, thinking of our eternity, not just our old age, but our whole eternity. You see the picture? God has compassion for us. Moving on, Elijah then, he feels it's time to come out of hiding. He'd been hiding because he had prophesied a drought which lasted three years and people were getting pretty hungry and pretty sick of it. And he says, he feels, senses by the spirit that it's time to come and confront King Ahab and his evil wife Jezebel. They still blame him for the three years of drought. They've been looking for him to kill him. And uh, he confronts them. And they immediately blame him for this drought. But Elijah reminds them that it was the sin of idolatry that had caused the drought, not his prophecy. So Elijah then summons all of Queen Jezebel's 450 prophets of Baal, and there was quite a few other guys in the Asherah or whatever. But anyway, these guys all turn up uh, to a big challenge that uh, Elijah's suggesting. And in 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah confronts the people of Israel and he says, How long, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? These are people who had been given the Ten Commandments and all of the worship advice through Moses. And he says, How long are you going to swing between these two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. And of course, those who've been in the word a while will know that there's this big contest set up. There's, there's, there's a big altar and there's a, a, a big ox killed on, on, from both sides. And uh, they put the ox on top of the altar. They pour, you know, they dig a, what is it? Dig a trench around it. Well, that was actually um, what Elijah did with his one. Just to prove God was faithful, he pours water all over it, fills the trench with water. After a full day of, of um, dance and trancing and all sorts of things, the prophets of Baal's fire never came. And finally, Elijah steps forward and prays and boof, up comes the fire from this wet, soggy wood and consumes the whole altar. Over this um, election time, I've just become very aware, you know, of just how worldly thinking our nation has become, and even us as a church. And, you know, how anyone who makes an unpopular stand for God's word to be upheld just sort of quickly becomes media fodder. And I've been aware how we've listened to all the smooth talk and the promises and the debates and 
um, you know, the one-liners about policy and direction, but the spiritual condition of our country seems to be largely ignored in Parliament. And I've been thinking as a church, how can we become more salty again? How can we be like Elijah and say, look, how long are we going to muck around and we need to choose? Is God our God? Or is humanism or tolerance going to be our God, you know? And I've been thinking and praying about that. How can we be more salty? How can the church be the light of the world? What would Elijah say to us today regarding idolatry? And so my point is that idolatry basically is a blocker to hearing the still, small voice. Idolatry blocks us from hearing that still, small voice. What is idolatry? It's really just trusting in something or someone more than in God. Did you catch that? Idolatry is trusting in something or someone more than in God. And that's really a definition of the idolatry in our country, I think. I've, you know, I've met people who are more materialistic over their one worldly possession than millionaires that I know have lots. I, and it's also about how we hold the things we're given. And it's when our world is shaken that we realize what matters most. The other night I, I just um, had to go and do a little job around the road where we're doing up a, a house on Gin Road and the, the wind was blowing um, it was southerly and it was just blowing under a door and I just thought I'd better mop it all up. So I went around and did that and I flicked two lights on just as I, I left because I wanted just to, for people to know there's something happening there. Just two light bulbs. By the time I got back to our place, I could still see those two little light bulbs beaming out into the darkness. And I thought, thank you, Lord. It was like the Lord spoke to me and said, we just got to keep being the light. Amen? Just got to keep being the light. Light pushes back darkness every time. Darkness is no contest for light. You know, it, it cannot stop that little light beam going out. And that's us. We just got to keep being the light being the salt of the earth, doing our bit in our small corner. We've talked about that before. Back to Elijah. After a massive victory for the Lord, Elijah is wasted. He put in his all. His spiritual gauges were all on empty as he finds himself in a wilderness running from Queen uh, Beth, uh, Jezebel. He's alone, he's hungry, and he's depressed. So let's read 1 Kings 19, verses 11 to 14. This is our key scripture for today. So he said, verse 11, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. 
when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. You know, he's doing that. The world's going to the pack thing. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Whoa, that's pretty down. And I totally know this condition. And we have to so be on guard against it. Whenever we've gained ground for the Lord. You know, the opposite of faith is not really so much doubt as it is fear. Elijah allowed Jezebel's threat, this evil woman's threat to, to kill him, to get to him. He just allowed fear into his life. It was simple as that. He was taken out by fear after you know, such an amazing victory for God. In fear, he fled the scene and he ended up in this dark, dead-end sort of place. And a big part of our walk with the Lord is overcoming fear and doubt. I believe it's one of the enemy's major, major you know, attacks on us. Fear, doubt, and discouragement. And we counter these spirits by positioning ourselves again in his presence. Did you catch that? We counter these spirits by positioning ourselves in his presence. You see, when we focus again on, on his glory and spend time in his presence by quieting our spirit before him, we allow his love and his rest to fill those emotional tanks. Friends, do you need your emotional tanks filled up today? Or do you need them filled again? Perfect love casts out fear. You see, knowing the perfect love of God casts out doubt and fear. You got any doubts that he loves you? Spend that time in that private quiet place and it's times of refreshing that we need when the battle gets too much amen when we when we top up the, with worship and receive words of encouragement there's so many ways we can do it listening to worship music you know speaking in a heavenly language whatever it is but there is just in giving getting and receiving and giving encouragement to people but faith rises up Again and again. And if you're given out, you're going to need this. All right? You feel like you've been taken advantage of. Come into the presence of God. You feel you've been hurt by other Christians. Come into the presence of God. You feel you can't cope with what the world's throwing at you. Come into the presence of God. Whatever it takes, whatever it, it, it takes you to get into that presence, do it like Elijah. Like God showed Elijah. You see, when we pause and listen to that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit, our worries subside, our fears disappear, and other voices fade into the background. 
sometimes it's the wind, the earthquakes, and the fire that make us appreciate the still, small voice of the Lord restoring us. And this message is as much for me today as for anyone who may be listening. I know it's for me. Because the still, small voice is about recovering from times of overdoing it. It's about knowing how to restore our joy and to have a Kit Kat before the battle begins again. <laughs> have a Kit Kat, folks. To charge on ahead, it's like a racing car driver who fails to pit stop and who runs out of fuel meters from the checkered flag. It's like a rugby player who ignores his physio. And it's like the politician who ignores the polls. <laughs> Should we take God-ordained risks? Yes, certainly. We've talked about that already in this series. But we also need the faith to know God's still, small voice in the battle. You know, sometimes my day can be really hectic but I can still keep peace in the battle, in the hecticness. And sometimes not. I don't do so well. But see, stillness is not quietness. They're not quite the same. We need to be still. It can be rowdy, and we can still be still on the inside. We can have eight kids, and it can be still peace in the house. <laughs> There's a few people nodding, laughing. Some are sort of questioning that one. <laughs> I have walked into homes where there's been six or seven children and it's just peace. And you can walk into other homes with two. It's just, woo! <laughs> yeah. But no, you can be calm in the midst of the chaos if you've got Jesus, peace his stillness. We need to hear the divine echo. You know, God's voice has a ring to it. We need to know that it's him speaking and not the other enemy. And we find that by lingering in our spirit in his presence. I just want to finish with saying God's voice is better than a thousand others that might speak to us. And you're not meant to throw new things into a conclusion, but I'm just going to say that Jenny once, and I don't think she'd mind me sharing this, Jenny once was told she wasn't healed because she didn't have enough faith. You know, we've got to block those voices out. You know, we've got to block out the voices, those thousand other voices which would go against what God's saying to us. We need to, Hear that divine echo linger in the, the, the spirit. I just want to finish by saying it's worth it. The battle is worth it. And we need to remind ourselves of that. John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes to steal, destroy, and to kill. But I, Jesus speaking, came to bring life. And life in all its fullness. Some say abundance, but life in all its fullness I want to say, you know, a day in the Lord's presence is better than a thousand outside. Amen. And we are, a, we are a blessed people. And I just pray 
that you will be restored and get through whatever time of, or season you're in, and you'll hold on to these truths that we are blood-bought children of the living God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your still, small voice, even in the chaos, even in the middle of the storm. But Lord, it's good to sometimes draw away and just have that time one-on-one -on -one in your presence. In the Holy of Holies. Thank you for breaking the curtain and allowing us into that Holy of Holies. You broke it at the cross. You tore the curtain that separated us from the intimacy with you. So Lord, I just pray we just deal to idolatry, we deal to our doubt and our fear and those other voices and just hear your voice to be restored in that wilderness place or wherever we are, that we get back in the race, back on track and serve you with a grateful heart because you're worth it. You're worth everything we can give. King of kings, Lord of lords, forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church.